You're listening to Sibling Talk, commentary from a progressive point of view. Now here are your hosts, John Paulette and Mary Jo Tumer. Hello, I'm John Paulette. And I'm Mary Jo Tumer. Yeah, Mary, I used to work for a Fortune 50 company. I won't name them now, but if you ever look at a sporting event and see a blimp, you'll know roughly, <laughs> roughly who I'm talking about. And I was at a smaller division, certainly not big tire divisions. Uh, but I always remember this moment. We uh, needed to have a really good quarter. Uh, and I won't detail all the reasons, but anybody who's been in business know what knows what that's like. Personally, for us as managers for the division, we had to have a good quarter, and we were having it. We were really busting it on sales and a lot of things. And I don't know if it was about a week or something before the end of the quarter, there had been a quality problem, and we got a massive return of product. And that return of product was going to wipe out uh, the good results of uh, everything we had, had done. And so obviously we're upset. And I remember we were in a meeting and a pretty senior man manager said very seriously, why don't we just book that return next month? Uh, nothing's going to be changed. We have the return. Rather than have it here now, we have it uh, then, and that'll allow us to have our good quarter, and we'll worry about the rest of it next month. I thought the accountant or the head of our accounting group was going to stand up and punch him. I'm not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. And I do remember this specifically. The accounting guy, who's a good fella, uh, said, not only are we not doing that, we are not that discussion. And if that discussion goes forward at all, I'm leaving here and I will call Akron and uh, report to, to the executives. And of course, all he's doing is um, observing basic accounting protocol. When something happens in the business that affects the financial performance, you have to recognize, I think that's even the word they use, recognize that event when you know it. And you can't play games and say, well, we'll put the bad news uh, next quarter and show this quarter is being good. And his principles, uh, his, I guess, his responsibility as an accountant into play uh, there. It does not seem that the people at Mazars had all those same feelings, does it? Because... I mean, I knew just listening to the media media that there were substantial problems. Questions have been raised for the last couple of years about Donald Trump's books and the way he was booking things. But this seems to have come as a surprise to these accountants. <laughs> well, yeah, it seems to have come as a, at least a wake up call when and they were looking at being indicted themselves um, because just as an aside, uh, part of what their letter said, it, they had an unwaivable conflict. So generally, conflicts can be waived and professionals go to, whether an accountant or a lawyer, will go to clients and say, this is the conflict of interest. Do you want to waive it? 
and the business can say yes or no. But when you have an unwaivable conflict, that means, you know, a lot of different things. But generally what it means is you're given evidence on your client's behalf, <laughs> against your client. So that something's going on there. Um, but I agree with you. They had to have been playing fast and loose all these years, you know, making excuses, looking the other way. You know, I mean, that's really was the Enron problem, wasn't it? And for anybody who doesn't remember, and Enron was a long time ago, like 20 years or more, wouldn't you say, John? Yeah, I think that's roughly it. So, you know, and they were, Enron was, you know, building their wealth on the, on the back of the books instead of real wealth. And basically the accountants were going along with it. And it brought down one of, at that time, one of the big eight accounting firms um, because they weren't following simple accounting principles, which is what goes in the books has to be the truth. Well, so I think what's been interesting, Go ahead. Sorry. Well, I, I was just going to ask, you know, as much as I like just targeting right on Donald Trump, it seems to me there's a bigger question here. And I'll use accountants, but I'd use lawyers. We can go on to a number of professions. Part of the structure of trust in our society is if somebody is the member of a profession, uh, they are an accountant, then we believe, well, we know they have uh, a professional responsibility. They have ethics. I mean, you know this deeply from lawyers. And those ethical responsibilities go above and beyond whatever their responsibility to their employer is. And we trust that. And so that makes a lot of stuff work. Am I getting that right? No, that's a great way to put that because for the system to work, you have to have these professionals, which are licensed by the state, right? I mean, if you're an accountant, you're a CPA, and you take the CPA exam, it's a very difficult exam. You're a lawyer, you take the bar exam, a very difficult exam. The state then license you, and you're you're an officer of more than just this company and an officer of more than just your client. In like case of lawyers, you're considered an officer of the court and the system requires on all of these individuals to say, We're, that, that can't happen, that's against the rules. My ethics demand that I don't do that because I'm doing, you know, I'm doing no harm. And what's interesting is, like in a lawyer's case, you know, part of the ethics is that you um, <clears throat> defend your client until your client is doing something wrong. And I, what I was going to say, what's been interesting, and this is not just the Trump era, but it's, you know, and they took it to a whole new level, was all these professionals, the lawyers, the accountants, um, using their license, their skills, and their talents to lie and manipulate the system on behalf of either the client. Like I was thinking back to John Dean and who eventually comes clean, right? But John Dean as a lawyer for Nixon, 
And so much of the cynicism that has invaded our body politic and also our economic system and is undermining those things is the willingness of these professionals to serve this one person as opposed to serving the system because the system demands truth. Well, and it, you know, it has to do with how that company functions. It has to do with truth, has to do with a lot of things, but it has some really practical implications. You and I both invest in things. Many, many people do. We have no ability to understand what's happening inside of that company outside of the statements they release, which always, you know, have marked down on the water, uh, bottom, Price Waterhouse. And we believe there's a level of risk that goes, goes on. So yeah, capitalism, our whole financial system doesn't work unless that trust is there. And I think what we found over the last couple of years is our government does not work unless we have a similar kind of ability to trust. And if, I mean, we'll do the Rudy Giuliani, we expect that if a lawyer goes to trial, not that he's necessarily right, there can be mistakes in judgment, but that he is not bringing information that he knows is false. And I think the court expects that too. You are not going to take up this courtroom with false information. And that's really what Rudy Giuliani did. Well, I mean, that's why he's lost his license because he was filing those actions on the lead up to January 6th, uh, the Stop the Steal actions that he knew had false information in them. And for that, a lawyer loses their license, <laughs> and, and as they should, because the court has to rely on the lawyer presenting the truth. You're right, there are shades of the truth. There are different interpretations of the law, but a false statement in a pleading that you have signed as a lawyer is grounds for losing your license, or in even though I think it's a terrible thing, less extreme would be what's called a rule 11, which we've talked about before, which you're being sanctioned by the court. In any event, as an officer of the court, the court expects you to tell the truth, basic. And to the accountants, it's the same thing. The accountants are expected to use general accounting principles and to the extent possible, make sure that whatever is in a, uh, an accounting statement is true. And even what they'll do is, um, like for clients, I'll get a letter that says, you know, can you attest to these certain things? You have no pending claims. There's no lawsuits filed. There's no um, actions that have taken that could potentially um, result in lawsuits. So that when they make their statement about the liabilities of the corporation, they have disclosed all potential liabilities. This is how these professionals work. And why do does the state give accountants, lawyers, even doctors, a license to practice, a license to make money, 
right? I mean, what is a license but a license to make money? And you're given the license to make money as a lawyer with the expectation that you are going to protect not just your client, but the system writ large. And I think what, you know, to get back to the news of the day, what Trump's um, accounting firm, and this is not just for the business, this is for him personally and his family's personally as well, whatever information they gave him, gave the accounting firm, the Trumps did, and they either didn't uh, examine it closely or they just accepted it, um, has led them to a place where they've had to walk away. And you know what, John? That's a big thing. We may look back and say, that was really the moment of the unraveling. Because if you can't rely on someone's accounting firm, you can't lend them money. He may have loans called in. You know, like the whole basis of running a business re requires you to have a good relationship with an accounting firm. Well, it absolutely does. And I don't buy it when, I mean, the word came out and a lot of commentators have said, well, the accountants accept what you tell them. Okay, I get that in one sense. But the reality is, if you're a professional, you look at contradictory documents, you hear on the news, you, you do some looking and you say, wait a minute, I've got a little bit of a problem. Uh, let's go through here. Because if no other reason, as you're mentioning, this is going out with my name on it. And if it's going to go out with my name on it, I'm going to make certain certain that it's right. And I think that's a real a real problem. And I agree with you. I think it is going to blow up and blow up. I think there's going to be a problem with the lending. Uh, I don't know what it will look like when Donald Trump is finally brought to trial. But I got to believe a big part of that will be to call in the people from Mazars and say, can you run us through the books, folks? But John, it's interesting. I heard somebody say, well, he'll have trouble finding another accounting firm. And I thought, ha, the piece of human nature that makes all these ethical requirements difficult is self-interest. So there'll be some other accounting firm that's like, ah, oh, let's take the chance because we'll make some money off of it. And it's a good yeah. cachet client. And lawyers do that all the time. They justify not, um, you know, engaging in ethical conduct because it was like, yeah, but that's a million dollar a year client. So that happens all the time. Well, so it's a mi million dollar client. And I am totally speculating here. I have no knowledge of this, just so people know. But it would not surprise me to find out that over the years, uh, the accountants at Mazars were guests at Mar-a-Lago, other uh, country clubs owned by Donald Trump. And being Trump's lawyer was really nice. You got nice trip, play golf, you got to hang around with powerful people. That's the kind of greasing that goes on that really skews this system. Right. It's very, it's a very attractive thing for most people, but you know, not us, or at least we've never had the opportunity. Well, I've been kind of waiting for some polit rich politicians to feel like they want to get in the good graces of sibling talk. <laughs> well, we'll keep waiting on that. Uh, Bye -bye. <laughs> sibling talk is a JMP production theme song by David Paulette.